getting to know the folks who we get to feed every week is really just inspiring and helps me keep going. You know, just to hear them say that they've never cooked with a certain vegetable before, but they were inspired by our radishes and they tell me how they made them. And and that's just really cool. I think you often forget as a farmer, you get so your head down in the work you're doing that you forget about all these families that you're feeding. And so that, that helps you keep going for sure. You're listening to the Good Dirt Podcast. This is a place where we dig into the nitty gritty of sustainable living through food, fashion, and lifestyle. And we're your hosts, Mary and Emma Kingsley, the mother and daughter founder team of Lady Farmer. We're sowing seeds of slow living through our community platform, events, and online marketplace. We started this podcast as a means to share the wealth of information and quality conversations that we're having in our world as we dream up and deliver ways for each of us to live into the new paradigm, one that is regenerative, balanced, and whole. We want to put the microphone in front of the voices that need to be heard the most right now. The farmers, the dreamers, the designers, and the doers. So come cultivate a better world with us. We're so glad you're here. Now, let's dig in. Good morning, Mom. What's going on? Oh, we're just loving summer so much over here. We've been picking strawberries, cooking on the grill, taking long walks. And um, I've been bike riding on the canal a lot. When it's hot, it's really fun to ride a bike because it's the wind is helping to keep you cool and the scenery is awesome. And as always, June is glorious. I love it. Yes, you always talk about how much you love June. It really is special, especially out at the farm. I've been seeing you've been doing a lot of bundle dyeing. Yes, I'm getting ready for the slow living intensive on June 19th. Um, it's been so much fun just walking around the garden and seeing where to make color. It's like you see things with even newer eyes. Uh, you know, usually, you know, what's growing? How's it coming along? Does it need weeding? But it's really fun to walk through and just say what will make color um and i think the star of the show at the moment is berries um for sure just within a few steps of our back door we have mulberries gummy berries strawberries and now gooseberries and all of these of course have brilliant colors that are perfect for bundle dyeing and in the next couple of weeks we'll be getting raspberries and blueberries as well and it's just the perfect way to enjoy a slow living summer. I'm oh. really enjoying it. Yeah, they're turning out so good. I really love them. What's the most fun about it is that this is all wrapped up into our slow living intensive. I think um, the reason why you've been have bundle dying on your brain is to get ready, right, for the intensive. And we still have room if people want to join us. Um, it's going to be a full afternoon of not just bundle dyeing, but really slow living around. And that's, that's the activity. So it's meditation, yoga. We're going to chat a little bit about natural dyeing, um, how you do it, things you need, other resources for not just bundle dyeing, but the activity is going to be bundle dyeing. And, um, 
So it's going to be a full afternoon, but it's really designed to be slow and relaxing and restorative in body, mind, and spirit and a chance to welcome in a new season in so many ways. It just really feels like we're turning such a corner here as we go into summer. Yes, and this is just one example of how we try to guide our followers in slow living through the seasons. And that brings us to the other current announcement, and that is that the Almanac is now open for enrollment for the summer season 2021. Yay! So uh, if you've been around here for a while, you might know about the Almanac. It's our online membership platform. It's a place for all the Lady Farmer Network to connect and engage with one another in a place that's off Facebook or Instagram um, it's so nice to have that really private designated space that's really just for all things slow living and sustainability without all of the noise. Um, we've really enjoyed it. It's quite the respite. We also have a book club in there. And we, my mom and I and our small team, we work so hard to bring you activities and resources and articles. And I create a seasonal playlist. And it's just like, it's like a big, fun, packaged surprise box of all kinds of things to like engage with and learn from throughout the season. So um, it really is like your guide to your slow living through the seasons. And uh, we only open four times a year at the start of a new season. So we hope that you join us uh, for the summer. And I will add that, um, is this our third season? We started it yeah, with the winter solstice. So um, we're now moving into our third season. Yeah, and just a reminder, when you join, you get all of the past content and recordings of all of our gatherings and workshops and events, and so there there really is a lot in there waiting for you. We do hope you join us. That's open through the solstice, so uh, we'll close enrollment on June 21st so that we all are there together to experience the summer, and then we'll open again in fall. So how do they join if they want to? Oh, that's a great question um the link is on our website ladyfarmer.com if you click on community it's also linked in our instagram profile you can sign up for a monthly membership or a yearly membership yeah and you can also get the information through our newsletter if you're not already signed up for the newsletter yeah so let's get into this week's episode i'm so excited about it yeah today we have michelle aronson of farm belly Michelle is your regular suburban girl growing up in the 90s who in a roundabout way ended up farming and teaching cooking classes. I loved hearing her talk about her journey and her mission to make farm fresh food accessible and less intimidating for folks and to help everyone get a farm belly. You get to hear what a farm belly is. And speaking of farm belly, this isn't actually what it means, but since we recorded this conversation she has now announced that she's having a baby so that's super fun so michelle's having a baby in october and a few things about this conversation she chats about how they had a pre-order farm stand model for their farm but because of the baby and lots of other things they are transitioning to a csa model for this year so in this conversation you'll hear her talk about and why they're not doing a csa but just a quick update for 2021, they are doing a CSA. So yay. Um, and as far as her cooking classes, we checked back in with her now that things are opening up again. Um, she has not scheduled any 
in-person cooking classes yet, but she did want us to tell you guys about her Farm Belly Club community. Every Friday, she hosts a virtual farm walk where she walks the farm and shows folks all kinds of growing tips, and she also hosts uh, many virtual cooking classes every other week. So you'll definitely want to tune in to what Michelle has going on at Farm Belly now. Yeah, and we hope that this episode inspires you wherever you are in your farming, cooking, or farming journey. And certainly, if you're in the Raleigh-Durham area, we hope you will look up her farm and see what she's up to. So I am actually from the Midwest originally, from the suburbs of St. Louis, and I did not grow up growing or cooking at all. And today I'm a farmer and a cook and an educator. So, you know, definitely didn't start out that way at all. Um, I didn't really fall into working in farming and sustainable agriculture until I went to college. It was, you know, the first semester of my freshman year. It was, wasn't any like one moment. I think it was a combination of books that I was reading and people I was talking to and documentaries and everything was like pointing me into the direction of, of farming and agriculture. And I feel like I just started and haven't looked back since. And that was 12, 13 years ago. Um, so I basically, I started getting involved with agriculture and farming um, in college and actually helped start an educational farm uh, for the university. I went to University of Virginia in Charlottesville. And cause I just felt like there wasn't, um, UVA is not an ag school, at least that's not the focus. And so I felt like there wasn't, it was, we were missing a place where students could go to really dig in and learn about food and farming with their hands. And so I helped start this farm um, and actually got to manage that farm after I graduated. And that was just an amazing opportunity. Um, and I loved every second, but through that, I realized I still didn't know how to cook anything that we were growing there. And I just like literally all I was making were like egg scrambles, like literally just throwing whatever vegetables I had into a pan with a few eggs. And I was like, this doesn't feel, <laughs> I feel like I can do more with all of this amazing produce that I have. Um, so I learned about this place called Ballymaloo, which is a farm-based cooking school in Ireland, which I feel like isn't as well known in the United States, but it's this incredible, um, it's a hundred acre farm on the coast of Ireland and it's a, well, the program I did was three months, but they have shorter courses as well. And it, the focus is just cooking fresh, seasonal, incredible produce and, you know, cheese and mushrooms and meat from other producers in the area. And that's really the focus of, of the culinary school. And that's kind of from a farming background, I wanted to go to a school where that was the focus, you know, the ingredients that we were working with, not necessarily is my dice the exact perfect size? Yeah. Um, and so I just had an incredible experience there and really just feel like I finally had the confidence to cook you know, the food that I was growing. Um, and a lot of these skills and techniques that I were learning, you know, they weren't super complicated. It was how did, you know, knife skills, how to roast something, how to make a sauce. And so coming back from that um, culinary experience, um, I moved to Santa Barbara where my husband was for school and for work and, you know, had a lot of different jobs um, in the food space there, but I kind of started on the side teaching cooking classes and started my business, Farm Belly. And um, eventually I was able to make teaching classes 
my full-time thing. And it was always a dream to kind of move back to the East Coast uh, where land is a little bit more accessible. And so uh, I guess it was kind of winter of 2019, my husband and I moved to North Carolina, um, a little bit outside of Chapel Hill and um, we're kind of searching for the right spot and ended up finding a really beautiful 10 acre farm out here. And um, last year was our first season. Um, and we have a, a farm stand where we sell our veggies and we, we were starting to do classes, cooking classes here. Those are obviously on hold due to COVID. Um, but I'm just so thankful that we have a place now where I can just help people grow and cook and eat like farmers. I want to hear more about your time in Ireland, you know, before we get too far off of that. Yeah. Um, talk to us about that. What what was a day in the life of cooking school in Ireland like? That sounds so awesome. <laughs> it, I mean, it was truly heaven. Like I have actually convinced like at least three or four people to go and do the same program I did because it was so incredible. Um, yeah, a day in the life you start, I would actually always try and go into the kitchen a bit early, like maybe around 7. 7am and if you go in early you could kind of do extra cook extra things um and then we're kind of assigned a certain number of recipes and we have a partner that we're cooking with and we kind of cook all morning and then um you have an instructor you know a teacher kind of helping you through that morning and then um you eat for lunch what everyone made which is awesome and then in the afternoon after lunch there is a demonstration where you kind of sit auditorium style and there's a really cool teaching kitchen and um, the teachers kind of demonstrate like 20 to 25 recipes um, that you then get to taste afterwards and there, there might be a different theme of the day but it's a range of you know appetizers and entrees and salads and desserts you know a whole range of different cuisines that you're learning and then basically what you saw in demo that afternoon is what you then cook the next day the next morning if that makes sense oh. um and the location couldn't be more beautiful like i said it's on the coast of ireland and so after you know a long day in the kitchen me and my friends would just go on these long walks to the ocean and go swimming and it was just yeah even talking about it now i'm i like <laughs> i would like to go back and there are people who have done the program multiple times because it is so wonderful how late in the day would you be like in school so to speak until um usually till about five o'clock and i was there um, from April to July, which was, I think, the best time to go because, A, you get a lot of really beautiful spring and summer produce that you're working with, but also because it stays light so late there. Yeah. Um, you know, especially by July, it wasn't dark or June, July, you know, it wasn't dark until nine or 10 o'clock, um, which meant that you could stay outside and drink wine and eat cheese oh, <laughs> for a long time with your friends. Mom's like planning her trip, like, okay, so when do, can I, after, yeah, can I okay. go outside? Like I'm Googling the website. I would love to just say one more thing. Um, Darina Allen is the woman who started Ballymaloo with her husband, Tim, and it's a family affair. And there's just such an incredible place where they truly care about their students and they want to see their students succeed. And they really help you pursue whatever you're interested in, in the world of food. If you're into styling or, um, you know, you work want to work in a restaurant as a chef or... Um, you know, there's so many different careers in food. And I just think they do a really great job of showing you these different options and supporting you. Um, or even if you just want to go and have fun and learn some skills, you don't have to go because you want to have a career in food. But I just think that they're incredibly supportive um, of your dreams and, and help you achieve your goals. What did you feel like your focus was? Does, how to cook f fresh farm food? 
basically? Yeah, I think for me, because I did not grow up having any cooking skills whatsoever. Um, I mean, I made scrambled eggs in the microwave growing up to give you a bit of a baseline of where I started. Um, so I think for me, it just every day was like a whole new world was being opened up and it was almost like learning a new language. And um, yeah, so I was really starting from scratch there. <laughs> and then you came away from that. Is that like when you started Farm Belly was after that? And um, are you still doing Farm Belly? And like, tell us about that. Yeah. So I actually came up with the name Farm Belly when I was at Valley Malou. And to me, a Farm Belly is like that feeling you have after you've had just like a really delicious, nourishing meal, either by yourself with, with or with friends. And it's food that you've either grown yourself or you know the hands that prepared it or grew it. And you're just so satisfied without feeling, you know, sometimes when you have a meal and you just kind of, it was really good in the moment, but then afterwards you feel like a little sick. <laughs> so this is not that this is like at the end of a meal and you're just so nourished and um, like just filled with joy and, and you just feel connected with the food that you've been eating. So that feeling to me is, is having a farm belly. Um, and so, yeah, I, I kind of came up with that name in culinary school. And I think my personality is not well suited to working in like high stress restaurant kitchens. Um, but I knew education was something that I've always been really passionate about. So I think I pretty quickly realized that teaching uh, cooking classes was, was kind of the route I wanted to go. When I hear the word farm belly, it makes me visualize all the great, (laughs) this is kind of weird, but all the good bacteria that you get from (laughs) fresh farm food that's in your belly. (laughs) And that's probably why it feels so good. Like that's that feeling. It's probably from all the good microbes and all that stuff going on. That's so cool. I do that. That's that feeling is so real. And I love that. um, That's where that comes from. And the opposite of the feeling is so real too. Like if you were eating bad food and you know that's mm-hmm. and you don't feel so great you know there's a reason for that and I think you know more and more people are are becoming aware of of that like how the food makes you feel you know which brings to mind I was going to ask you um you say you know you grew up you know you're with the microwave and processed foods and all and so since you've been working in the food world for several years now I thought you might talk to us about food culture and and how you think it's changed from when you were a child growing up and since you've been in school and what you're seeing now and your business and the interest people have in it. Yeah, definitely. I feel like I'm like a classic suburban child of the 90s. <laughs> like when I was growing up, like I I just feel like there wasn't as much awareness or just like resources or information around healthy eating and so like it was totally normal to eat Craft mac and cheese and hamburger helper and fast food a lot of the time. And um, I do want to say I'm so grateful that I grew up in a family that really valued like sitting together around a table every night. You know, every week that weeknight, we would sit down for dinner together. And on weekends, we would get together with my grandparents and extended family. And I think growing up, like it was less about the food we were eating and more about just this like time being together. And so, you know, since childhood, I feel like I'm now have grown a much deeper appreciation for the actual food that we're eating when we sit down. But I just think that having a foundation of valuing time together around a table is so important. I just think that 
now I'm, I'm grateful that there's a lot more information and just awareness around healthy eating and, and eating less processed foods. But I just hope that, you know, at the end of the day, just the act of sitting down together is what is really valued. And I know, especially in this past year, it's like a lot of families and individuals are just really strained and, you know, they're maybe lucky to be able to sit down together at the table. And so if that means eating, uh, you know, Kraft mac and cheese that night, um, you know, I think that's okay. I just hope that people feel like they have the information and the resources to make informed and healthy decisions Mm -hmm. while also like acknowledging that it's tough right now and it's okay. You know, we're not all going to eat perfect all the time. Totally. Thank yeah, you for that's saying that. True. Emma, you you and Emma grew up around the same time and I guess you're all the same age or similar age and so the 90s, I can say as a mom from the 90s, we were to, we were told well the conventional wisdom I would say is um don't worry about what the kids are eating. Um it's okay. Just do the best you can and and they'll get what they need. And so they're really we we weren't digging deep about about what what the kids were eating it just wasn't a a thing like our bodies would self-select the nutrients from just be like (laughs) i I think the thing was you know everybody's busy and stressed and so don't stress about the food but Mm. i i I think that's that has shifted now and like as you say there's a lot more information about the detrimental effects of too many processed foods and um you know, people have more of an opportunity now to really learn and know about it. But at the same time, you have to balance that with day-to-day life and people can only do the best they can. <laughs> so tell us a little bit more now about like currently, obviously the, the cooking classes, I don't know, have you moved them online or are they like pretty much on hold? They're on hold right now. I just, yeah, for me, I have some friends who are doing some awesome online classes, but I just, yeah. I struggle with that medium. And for me, it really is about that like in-person interaction. And so I'm, I'm holding out. Yeah. Um, and I've really actually enjoyed focusing on the farm here the past years. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. It's such a good like reason to like be able to recalibrate in that way. So tell us a little bit more about the farm and like what you're growing. And you, you mentioned a farm stand and is it just you? Is your husband help? Like, tell us about the whole thing. Sure. So we have, uh, a 10 acre farm. Um, we're maybe 20 minutes uh, west of Chapel Hill. And we're, we have a market garden. Um, we're actively growing on probably a third of an acre, which, you know, is still quite small, but we do do most everything by hand. You know, we don't even have a rototiller. So a rototiller is, it's, it's smaller than a tractor, but it's a tool that a lot of small farmers use to kind of prepare the soil. Um, a common brand is called like a BCS rototiller and they are great and they are useful, but for the scale that we are at, I prefer to do things by, there's hand tools that we use. There's something called a broad fork, which we use to kind of loosen the soil. And then there's a tool called a tilther, which is like a very mini rototiller. It's actually powered by a hand drill. And it basically kind of mixes in compost or what are other amendments you have into the top few inches of the soil. And I, I think because we don't do much tillage on our farm, we have 
really healthy soils just because we're the biologic activity is really able to thrive when we're not constantly going through it um, with a tiller. That's awesome. So you just grow basically market veggies for for personal use and then you take it to this little like farm stand. So we grow obviously we grow for ourselves so we get to enjoy, you know, what we grow mm-hmm. but the majority of it, you know, we're selling through a weekly farm stand which we um there's a pickup spot one day a week here on our farm and we also have four other pickup spots um around the community and the way it works is people um, pre-order online and the farm stand is not just our produce we we started this farm stand like two weeks after everything shut down last year um because last year was our first season farming here and so I, I recognized that there were a lot of other producers in the community who had lost markets for their products. So I called up folks who, you know, grew mushrooms or honey or flowers, and I was able to offer their items through the farm stand as well, just as a small way to help kind of promote their goods to the community. And it was a hit from pretty much week one, which was, which was amazing and a little overwhelming. And pretty much every week we ran through December of last year and we sold out most things every week, which was amazing. Wow. So you're, it's not a CSA. It's kind of in between like just showing up at a farmer's market and a CSA where people can place orders weekly, but they're not like committed to you for an entire season. Right, exactly. And we might eventually, you know, move to a CSA model, but I, especially in the first year, I didn't want to have a certain number of people commit. And then (laughs) suddenly, you know, things weren't growing here for our first season. I just didn't want to, you know, be on the hook for that. So the farm stand model was a great way for us to get started. Um, And I, I do think, People like being able to choose exactly what they get every week. So it was your first growing season. So, you know, so many of the CSAs and buying clubs around here experienced a big, a big surge with all the interest in farm grown food. So boy, your timing was really good. Right. And I think it was cool to see a lot of our customers were people who I don't think would have ever shopped like online or with a local farm before. I think through the pandemic, they were maybe pushed to explore other options for sourcing local good food in a safe way. And I, I'm really glad that they found me and other farms in the area. Um, because yeah, like I said, I feel like it kind of pushed people to go outside their comfort zone a little bit because going to the grocery store probably didn't feel very safe, especially in the beginning. Um, so yeah, I'm really grateful that people found us and, and stuck with us all season. And, and we're really excited to get started. Um, we're actually starting up the farm stand again in a week or two. So that feels good. How do you market it? A lot of it is like word of mouth. And anytime someone orders, I kind of add them to an email list I have. And so as soon as I update the farm stand, which is usually at 7 p.m. on Thursdays, I send out an email to everyone and say, hey, you know, farm stand's updated. And I maybe point out, you know, any new items and give recipe suggestions. And I find that really helps people try new things, um, you know, when I can offer recipes for hackeri turnips or kohlrabi, you know, things that they maybe haven't tried before. Um, we also... I'm pretty active on Instagram, so I'll, I'll promote things there. Yeah, but I'd say a lot of it is word of mouth, which has been great. Wow. Okay, so you're not doing the cooking classes, but you are doing the farming. Tell us a little bit about what, like, do you actually, with your cooking skills, do you actually cook all the time all this amazing food that you, um, that you grow? And, like, 
is that a reality that do you have the time for it? And tell us about that. So I definitely love cooking the produce that we grow and I, but I do not cook every night by any means. I'd say I probably cook like three to four times a week. Um, this is like dinners. I mean, and my husband and I thankfully love leftovers. So I usually just make, when I do cook, I'll make a lot. And then, you know, we eat it for like the next two days and, you know, um, but my style of cooking and the style I try to teach, and I feel like what I learned a lot at Bally Malou is that when you start with really good, freshly picked ingredients, you really don't have to do that much to make food really delicious. You know, a simple green salad with a homemade vinaigrette, roasted potatoes with like a little olive oil and salt and pepper, and, you know, maybe a good roast chicken, you know, like those are the sorts of meals that I make. I'm not making homemade pasta on the reg by any means, (laughs) but I think I, I get the most just like delight and enjoyment out of meals where, yeah, I've just brought something in from, from the farm and wash it and saute it up or throw it in the oven and, and like less is more sort of thing, Mm. which is, which is nice. Do you find it harder and like more overwhelming to cook at different times of the year, depending on like the harvest and how much work there is and stuff? I mean, definitely the hardest time of year we're like just coming out of. I find that like February, March is tough because you're like pretty sick of winter fruit, veg, and like green things haven't quite come in yet. So that's a little tough. But other times of the year, I kind of love the challenge of, okay, well, we have an abundance of fennel. What do we make with fennel or cabbage or whatever it is? Like I, that's kind of what gives me inspiration. Like when I, I love cookbooks where it's divided by the vegetable, because that's kind of how I think I'm like, oh, I have a lot of spinach. What do I, you know, I kind of go through my mind and what are my spinach, you know, go-to recipes Um, I will say though, and I feel like I talk about this often, but I just think it's kind of important to say, and this goes back to a bit what I was mentioning earlier that we don't cook every night and like on Tuesdays is pizza night for us. And quite often it's a frozen pizza (laughs) and, and I pair it with like an amazing farm belly salad. And those two things together with like a glass of wine are just the best because Tuesdays are really, really busy. That's our farm stand day. And There's just nothing better sometimes than like a frozen pizza. And some days we do make it from scratch and and that's great too. Um, So I do think it's, it's all about balance. You know, you were talking about um, less is better and it's so much fun to come in from the garden with all this stuff. Lots of times it's just about assembling more than, than cooking. Mm -hmm. This is throwing things together and it is, it can be super simple and, Maybe people get a little overwhelmed with the idea of cooking all the time when it's really just, I don't know, eating things super fresh doesn't always involve cooking or a lot of prep. Yeah, exactly. And that's where I am really excited to get back to teaching classes again, because I feel like what I really try to teach or focus on is techniques to help people utilize the, the ingredients that they have. So, you know, let's teach some basic knife skills. Let's teach you how to roast, how to make a sauce, how to, you know, how to do these things so that regardless of what's coming in, regardless of the season, you know, you know, what, what to do, um, without needing like a specific, super detailed recipe. Are you starting to plant things now? Have you got seeds going and all that? Oh yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We've got, last week was a huge planting week. I think we planted, at least 5,000 plants and we have a lot of seeds in the ground. Um, yeah, this is the, this, 
this like mid-March in, in, at least in this area of North Carolina is like go time. So we have um, two caterpillar tunnels uh-huh. um, where we, we started planting in there in early February. Um, and there's a lot of farmers around here who grow year round out of their tunnels, but I, I really need a break, you know, from like December, January. Um, so we don't grow necessarily fully year round, but we are able to start planting pretty early. So the things in the tunnel are pretty close to being ready for harvest. And you say we, is it you and your husband? And, and this is like your thing? My husband is definitely helpful for <laughs> for tasks that I just need some like brute strength. Um, but it is mostly me out there. You know, he has a full-time job. Um, he's able to work from home, which is great. So when I do need him, I can pull him out. Um, but for the most part, it is me. I do have um, a friend and fellow farmer who's here once a week um, for the full day. So we get a lot done on those days. And then um, I do have like a helper on farm stand days just to help kind of finish washing, packing and, and packing all the orders. Um, but for the most part, um, right now it is just me. And I think that I, I love having help, but I did intentionally want the scale of our farm to be such that we, it didn't need more than one or two extra people to be able to manage it. Wow. Yeah. That's so like, that's so cool and inspiring. I feel like I haven't met too many, um, sort of one woman operations. Um, so that's so cool. I hope that other people that yes. are listening to this can hear it's, that it's possible. It's the lady farmer is just doing it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I, I will say there's a really cool history of lady farmers on this property specifically. Um, there have been, there's two other women, you know, they're separate farmers, but um, in decades past have owned this property. Both of them were more livestock farmers. Um, but you know, they were the bosses and, and I just think it's really cool. And I'm friends with them. They still live in the community. And I just love that this, this place is, yeah, has been run by lady farmers. That's so cool. Oh my gosh. That's <laughs> awesome. I love that. <laughs> Where do you find inspiration and what keeps you going when it's really tough because farming can be really tough and monotonous? monotonous <laughs> yeah that's a great question uh you know I definitely find that at the end of the season like in December this past and last year I was so tired I was burnt out I was like I'm going to bed I'm not getting back up um and it really wasn't until I mean obviously I was excited to start the new year and like okay new season but I so specifically remember and this was only a few weeks ago um it was like late February or early March. And it was like the first warm evening of the year. You know, that feeling it's like the first warm Mm -hmm. night and like the frogs were singing and I was just like outside in a t-shirt. And I just like was overwhelmed with just like gratitude for the work I get to do. And I was like, Oh, this is why I do this. Like, this is an amazing thing. Um, but sometimes you need to be reminded of that. And I'm, I'll need to remember that come August when it's so hot and humid and I'm really tired, but, um, yeah, those moments are really special. And I think also just getting to know the folks who we get to feed every week is really just inspiring and helps me keep going, you know, just to hear them say that they've never cooked with a certain vegetable before, but, they were inspired by our radishes. And so, and they tell me how they made them. And, and that's just really cool to, to hear people. I think you often forget as a farmer, like at least you get so your head down in the work you're doing that you forget about all these families that you're feeding. And so that, um, 
that helps you keep going for sure. Mm, I love that scene with the the early the early spring with the frogs. I know exactly what you're talking yeah. about, and I relate to that. Yeah. To hear the <laughs> frogs for the first time is so uplifting after a long winter. Yeah. It's the best. So, um, do most of your customers come from from the cities, or are they right around your area, kind of out, or your, are they your neighbors, or are they coming in from the cities? Do you know? Yeah, there's a real mix. You know, I have there's several folks who literally live down the road from us, and then there's you know some people who will drive an hour to to pick up. And and when we first started, I only had a pickup option at our farm. And as we kind of got into the swing of things, we were able to add other pickup locations so that it was more accessible. Because that's definitely something that I want to be cognizant of. Is just I want our food to be accessible to as many people as possible. Um, and one of the best ways to do that is to literally leave it on people's doorstep that, but that's just not, we're not able to do deliveries like that. So as, as many kind of pickup spots that we can have to help make it easier for people. Um, yeah, I think that has really helped, but I'd say, yeah, I, some people are down the road. I'd say majority of folks live maybe 15, 20 minutes from their closest pickup spot. So you must have people helping if you're doing those multiple pickup stops, how do you manage that? Um, the way it, it works out well, I have one person who kind of helps me go one direction and then I handle the deliveries the other direction. Yeah. You are a busy girl. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And when you start up the cooking classes, are you going to like keep with all of this or is it like, how is that going to work? That is a great question. <laughs> you know, I think <laughs> I... <sighs> The past year was a good reminder of the need to slow down a bit. I am someone who loves to work. I love what I do. And so I had a tendency of just packing every single day and every single weekend with events and classes and farming. And um, this time has been a reminder that I don't need to do all the things. And so, yeah, it probably will mean fewer cooking classes when we are able to go back. Um, Maybe what used to be one or two a week might be one or two a month. Um, but I also, you know, when I was doing classes, I also made a point of like partnering with other chefs in the area or farmers in the area who also kind of were trained cooks. Um, like I, for my classes, I don't necessarily always want or need to be the person teaching. If I can give a platform mm -hmm. to other people in the community to, to teach and to share their skills through Farm Belly, then that is, you know, just as important to me. That's a really good segue into um, what does sustainability mean to you and your work? It's a tough question for me. I think, you know, going back to this idea of, of having a more sustainable work-life balance yeah. um, is something that I recognize I definitely need to work on and I recognize is really important to long-term sustainability um, as a human. What does the good dirt mean to you? And you can take that literally or metaphorically or both. I feel like for me, you know, good, healthy soil is the basis of our entire farm. You know, in, in, in order to grow truly nourishing food, you, you need a foundation of just healthy and biologically alive soil. Um, so that's really my focus. You know, when I'm out there growing and I see something is, isn't looking quite right with the plant, my first instinct is like, well, shoot, what's going on with the soil? How can we, how can we address this um, 
at its very foundation. And and when I think about good dirt or good soil, I I think about the fact that there's no quick fix to having good soil. Um, you know, it's a lot of just time and intention that is required to build soil through uh, just good farming practices and growing cover crops. And, you know, it's not something you can just snap your fingers and suddenly have, you know, healthy, thriving soil. You really have to work at it. And I feel like, you know, my role here on this land is to be a good steward for the next generation or for whoever's here next. And, you know, I mentioned before that I feel really lucky to have had be to be following in the footsteps of other female farmers on this piece of land and so and i'm really grateful that they had cattle and livestock grazing in what are now our garden beds and they were creating this amazing fertile soil for us and i feel like it's my responsibility to to continue that and to leave this place even better than we found it it takes time you can't snap your fingers and have good dirt I necessarily. I, and I'm someone who's very, can be very impatient. And I think just like, like our culture today is based on like instant gratification. And I think that's one of the reasons why I love farming and even cooking, like good cooking while can be simple, sometimes like takes time, like a good braise takes some time. And, and I think it's a good practice in, in just patience and that often good things come, um, with time that's a great answer <laughs> yeah it's so lovely um is there anything else that you want to say about um about your work and that you want to leave our audience with what you want people to most understand about what you do i want to help empower people with the skills and the confidence to grow and cook and eat like a farmer and that can be whether you live in a studio apartment in New York or in the suburbs or out in the country. You know, you don't need to be a farmer or a trained chef to be able to eat just good nourishing food. And I think, I hope that through, you know, resources on Instagram or I have some YouTube videos where I have a lot of like culinary tips that I share. And I've actually recently started um, something called the Farm Belly Club, which is kind of like an online community where regardless of where you live, you can join. And we, I have like a journal where I share all of our farming and cooking kind of resources with, with members. And we have a Facebook group and we do a monthly Zoom call. And anyway, just uh, providing lots of resources for people so that they can have the confidence, whether it's they want to garden or to cook more, you know, but I think because I didn't grow up with any knowledge or confidence in any of these areas, I feel like I can really relate to folks who maybe have anxiety or lack of confidence. Um, so I'm just trying to bring, yeah, bring the joy back in, in growing and cooking and eating good food. That's wonderful. And that's a great segue to um, tell us how people can find you and follow you and join your cooking classes if they're in your area and tell us all about that. Sure. So my website is just farmbelly.com and there's links to everything there. And I have lots of recipes um, that anyone can, can check out. And there's links to my YouTube page or my YouTube channel. Um, I'm also pretty active on Instagram. I'm just at farmbelly. Um, information about the farmbelly club is on my website as well. Um, 
Yeah. And I always love when people reach out, if there's anything that I can share to help them. I'm kind of an open book. My philosophy is a rising tide lifts all boats. And like, I will share planting plans and recipes. Like there's nothing secret or sacred here. If it's some, if it'll help someone, you know, get in the dirt or get in the kitchen, I want to help, help support them. Tell us a little bit more about the Farm Belly Club that you mentioned. Sure. So the Farm Belly Club is something I started earlier this year. It's an online community for folks, regardless of where you live. It's basically just an opportunity to kind of interact on a more one-on-one basis where I can share resources around growing and cooking. Um, as a member, you have access to what I call the Farm Belly, Farm Belly Journal. So multiple times a week, I'm posting about everything that's going on in the garden, what I'm cooking, and just links to resources to help people where they live. Um, We have a private Facebook group where people share recipes and resources and ask questions. Um, I do a monthly Zoom Q&A call. Uh, Folks get first dibs on new products and hopefully eventually um, when we do in-person events. Uh, Yeah, it's a really, really great community with actually people from all over the world. So uh, there's links to more info on my website. That sounds so fun. Thank you. It does sound fun. Michelle, what's something you're going to cook this week or that you cooked over the last week that you can share with us? Last week was the most insane week on our farm and there was very little cooking being done. We were just like, we had so many plants coming that I just like had to prepare all the beds for the plants. So I'm just going to be real honest. There was not much cooking. One thing I do um, every Sunday, we call it Sunday soups. And so I love just having that as like all through the week, I'm kind of thinking about like, oh, what soup should I make? Um, I feel like I made a really good one recently. So you have Sunday soups, Tuesday pizza. Does every day have a type of food? Those are the two main ones. That helps okay. me to kind of like organ. I'm not a huge meal planner. Helps to know like, yeah. okay, so yeah, Sundays there's going to be a soup, you know. What's like a super like memorable meal or like a meal that you're super yeah. proud of that you like remember and you can talk about? Yeah, my favorite thing to to make is probably a roast chicken and underneath it, I put whatever, like usually root vegetable or any vegetable really that I have under the chicken and that kind of soaks up all the yummy juices and I make um, like creamy polenta and like a good green salad. And that is, that is like my final meal that I would love to have. Oh, I love roasted chicken. Nothing beats a good roasted chicken. That's for sure. Yeah. Do you, um, how do you prep it before you roast it? Do you like salt it up and leave it in the fridge or just do you do nothing or what? What? If I remember, which I usually do, I will, I will salt, I'll get it out and I'll kind of pat it dry and I'll salt it and then, yeah, put it in the fridge, bring it out and then, yeah, pat it down with a paper towel to kind of get any moisture that's come off. And then if I want to add any other spices and I usually, you know, we'll stick some aromatics and a, and a lemon kind of in the cavity. Do you have like a trusty meat source around you for your yeah. meat? Your yeah, we have, we have an amazing butcher like four minutes down the road and lots of other, um, yeah, great meat farmers in the area. We get our meat from like CSAs and um, like I'll go to Whole Foods and like try to find the most local farm in the butcher cabinet, but... The butchers are few and far between. It's hard. Yeah. 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 Like, you know, they're always talking about we need new, we we need young farmers. We need young butchers too to come Yeah, to definitely. come along and um sort of shoulder up this 
kind of revival in farm food. Thank you so much for coming on today, Michelle. This has been such a pleasure. I'm so happy to finally meet you. Yes, thank you so much. I have loved chatting with you both. Yes, and thanks for being such an enthusiastic and successful farmer. <laughs> Yay. Bye. Bye. I really admire Michelle. She's she's so earnest and hardworking and she's so committed to what she's doing. And I just really appreciate her work as a lady farmer and teaching others about healing the earth and healing themselves with real food and healing her community with bringing that to people. It's just really an inspiration. Thank you so much, Michelle. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of The Good Dirt. We're here every Friday. And if you're new to Lady Farmer, make sure you give us a follow at We Are Lady Farmer on Instagram. Also, we have a newsletter and an online community, as we mentioned uh, in the intro of this episode, called The Almanac. Enrollment is currently open for the summer season, and we hope you'll join us. If you enjoyed this episode, it would really be great if you'd go in and write a review, share it with others, and help us spread the word about the good dirt. So see you next week.